I'm going to be uh, reading from Ezekiel chapter 37, uh, the first 14 verses. Um, what has been happening in uh, the book of Ezekiel, uh, Babylon is going to be coming and is going to be destroying um, Judah and Jerusalem and taking them all into captivity. And uh, the first part of Ezekiel is, is judgment, 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 judgment. And uh, here in chapter 37, um, God gives to Ezekiel to give to the people a, a message of hope um, because um, everything looks so dark around them and there are so many challenges and difficulties going on in, in uh, their world. It just doesn't look like there's, uh, there's any hope. And uh, I thought that uh, a fitting passage uh, for the challenges that we're facing in our, in our world today. It starts out, the hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, son of man, can these bones live? I said, O sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord, the sovereign Lord, says to these bones. I will make breath enter you, and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you, and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a, a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. Then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They say our bones are dried up. And our hope is gone. We are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. O my people, I am going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from them. I will put my spirit in you and you will live and I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken. And I have done it, declares the Lord. <clears throat> Ezekiel writes, the hand of the Lord was on me. What does that mean? The hand of the Lord was, was on me. If you are standing 
um, by yourself and you're looking uh, at a mess in front of you. It could be a room that needs to be cleaned. Uh, it could be a problem that is, uh, that's there at work, uh, something that is going on in the community, and maybe a tornado came through, and, there's just, and you're just looking at this mess in front of you. Everything is, uh, it's going to take a lot of work, and I don't even know where to begin, and, and, and you're just standing there, and you feel this heaviness inside of you, and you feel this hopelessness, and then you feel a hand touch your back, and you become aware of the fact that I am not alone. Somebody is here with me. Somebody's here alongside of me. I'm encouraged. I, I have help to face this situation. Ezekiel has the hand of the Lord, God's hand, a symbol of God's presence, God's anointing, God's protection, God's guiding him, God's empowering him. The hand of the Lord, the spirit of the Lord, the presence of the Lord picks Ezekiel up and transports him, sets him down in the middle of this valley that's full of very dry bones. I mean, there's just bones everywhere. They're scattered all over the valley. And as Ezekiel's looking around this valley, he, he sees there is no life in this valley. There is no hope in this valley. There are no possibilities here in this valley. And God asks him, can this situation change? Could there be hope? Could there be possibilities here? Can these bones live? And be the good Calvinists that we are, we might want to jump in right away and say, of course, of course, with God all things are possible. We just need to pray some more. Or, or we need to read our Bibles more. Or we should start a new program at church. Or we should attend church a, a bit more regularly. Or, or have our devotions a, a little bit uh, more regularly. And, and then those hopeless situations that we all know about, all have in our lives, they, they might be changed. They might be different. Uh, broken marriages might come back together again. Uh, babies, uh, instead of being aborted, could get adopted um, people who are, are struggling with, with uh, all these gender issues and, and wondering, um, you know, how are we made and this is the way I am and the way things should be and all of that would, would get fixed and, and people would have access to, to clean water and, and good food and education and health services. And if we could just do these things. But notice that Ezekiel doesn't say any of that to God's question is there hope there can these bones live Ezekiel realizes I don't have the ability to make any changes here I can't fix what is broken I, I can't bring life and instead he says oh sovereign Lord 
you alone know. You alone are able. Such trust he displays. Such surrender he displays. We, uh, I think, often forget that we are human beings. Most of the time, I think, that we think of ourselves as human doings. You know, we like to do. We like to get things accomplished. We like to, to, to move forward. And we would often rather do something than to wait on the Lord, than to trust the Lord, to leave it in His hands. Uh, we might start the day by asking God to, to bless us and guide us, but then we go out and we try to solve our problems and we try to fix what is broken and, and we'll pour money into things and we'll, we'll shoot medicine at it and we'll, we'll uh, start new programs and pass new laws and, and pour our resources and, and give advice and, and we try very hard to bring order out of chaos and we try to fix the things that are broken and, and we look to try to um, bring light uh, in the darkness but frankly we don't have the ability But when we surrender to God and we trust Him, then God uses us in His unfolding plan to bring life. He says, prophesy, Ezekiel, bring the truth to these bones, to these helpless, hopeless, broken situations. And so Ezekiel does. He he begins to prophesy. He begins uh, to bring the word. And, And as people... Uh, hear that word, and as they receive that word and begin to live by that word, uh, you see the, the bones come together and, and uh, flesh and tendons uh, come together and skin comes together, and, and it's God doing all of these things. Ezekiel is merely preaching the word, and, and God begins to make all of these things happen. You know, when people do things God's way, Communities flourish. Things go well. People have successes. Uh, if, if they hear the truth and they practice the truth, things are going to go well. They will be better. But we're not quite there yet. These people have received the truth and they're standing there, bodies, they look good, but there's no breath. In them, there's no life in them. It, it reminds me of what um, Timothy says in, in 2 Timothy chapter 3. He says, uh, Mark this, there are going to be terrible times in the last days. It's going to happen. People are going to be lovers of themselves, they're going to be lovers of money. They'll be boastful, they'll be proud, they'll be abusive, they'll be disobedient to their parents, they'll be ungrateful. They'll be unholy. They'll be without love. They'll be unforgiving. They'll be slanderous and without self-control. They'll be brutal, not lovers of the good. They'll be treacherous, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. They will have the form of godliness but deny its power. There will be a form of godliness, but there won't be any life there. 
There won't be any power there. That's what we have in this valley right now. They've heard the truth. They've got a form of godliness right now. Um, things are better for them. It's not just a valley of death right now. It's not uh, brokenness and, and, and hopelessness going on. Uh, things are coming together. Things look pretty good right now. But there's still no life. There's still no presence of God. We need his breath And so God tells Ezekiel to prophesy to the breath, prophesy to the wind, prophesy to the spirit. And when he does, the breath of God comes and that vast army comes alive. You know, when Jesus lived on the earth, we have to ask ourselves, did Jesus do what he did because he was the son of God? Was he able to teach so powerfully and effectively and and able to do miracles and, and do the things that he did because he was the Son of God? Or did he do what he did because he was dependent on God and empowered by the Holy Spirit to teach and preach and, and do miracles? And that's an important question for us to wrestle with and, and to come to an answer with. Because if Jesus did what he did, because he was the Son of God, then you and I have no hope of being able to follow in his footsteps and be like Jesus. Because obviously, we're not the Son of God. So if he did what he did because he's the Son of God, then we're out of luck. But if Jesus came to earth and set aside his divinity, even though he was still the Son of God, if he didn't tap into that, being the Son of God, to do what he did, but lived, surrendered to God, dependent on God, filled with the Holy Spirit to be able to do what he did, then because of Pentecost, you and I can do that too. We can have the presence of God giving us life showing us how to speak, showing us what to do, um, helping us to pray and to worship. Let me show you. John chapter 14, starting at verse 8. Philip says, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. And Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip, even after I have been among you such a long time. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe, pay attention to this here, don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you are not just my own. Rather, it is the Father living in me that is doing the work. Who is doing the work? Jesus and the Father are together and it's the Father in Jesus who is doing the work through Jesus. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. Um. John chapter 12, verse 49 and 50. 
Jesus says, I did not speak of my own accord, but the Father who sent me commanded me what to say and how to say it. I know that this command, that his command leads to eternal life. So whatever I say is just what the Father has told me to say. See, Jesus has come to earth to do his Father's will. He's come to earth not to do what he wants to do, per se. He came to be surrendered to God, to be submitted to God, to live empowered by the Holy Spirit, letting God work in and through him to carry out this work of salvation. Um, John chapter 5, verse 19. Jesus said to them, or Jesus gave them this answer, I tell you the truth, the Son can do nothing by himself. By himself, he can do nothing. He can do only what he sees his father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son also does. This is how you and I are supposed to be living the Christian life now. With the Holy Spirit empowering us, we don't do anything by ourselves. We need God to empower us. We need God to strengthen us. If I go out and do anything on my own, that's just in my own strength. Yeah, I can do some things. I can accomplish some stuff. But uh, anything that I build um, someday is going to get burned up because it was done in my own strength. But anything that I do empowered by God lasts, is refined. God tells us, to live by the Spirit, to keep in step with the Spirit, to be led by the Spirit. That's how we're supposed to live our lives. Um, Galatians, Galatians 5, uh, verses 16 to 18. So I say, live by the Spirit, and you won't gratify the desires of the sinful nature because they are in conflict with each other. If you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Um, verse 22, you have the fruit of the Spirit. When, when you are being led by the Spirit, the results are this fruit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. And then uh, in, in Romans 8, verses 12 to 14. Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation But that obligation is not to the sinful nature, to live according to the sinful nature. Because if you live according to the sinful nature, you're going to die. But if you live by the Spirit, you put to death the misdeeds of the body. Then you'll live. Because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. There are a lot of cries and prayers in our world going up to God. And essentially, a lot of those cries and prayers are saying, God, where are you? Do you care? I mean, look at the violence. Look at the shootings. Look at the war. Look at the immorality. Look at the uh, agendas of of the LGBT, 
I mean, um, my wife and I were in Myers this weekend, and there's just racks of, of clothes for, for Gay Pride Month, uh, you know, where you can get rainbow-colored um, sweatshirts, shirts, tops, you know, whatever, uh, you know. And, and so there's all of this stuff is there. And, and then, you know, we've got Synod this week, and we see a direction of where our denomination is going, and, and all of these things could easily cause us to go, our hope is cut off. We're in a valley of, of very dry bones. Is there any hope for change? Is there any hope for, for things to be turned around? Are there any possibilities out there? And, and we're going to be tempted to try to fix it. You know, to try to, if we could just get the right people going to synod and, and passing just the right laws, then we could, we could fix this. Or if we could just get the right people in the White House, or, or if we could just get the, the right Supreme Court members, or if we could just get certain laws passed, then we'd be able to fix all of this. And No, no. We don't have the ability. We don't have the ability. What we see all around us is what life is like apart from God, apart from His breath. What we see around us is life where we're trying to be God, life where we decide what's right or wrong, life where we try to save ourselves, life where we are determined to try to make these bones live. But only the sovereign Lord knows. And we need to surrender. And we need to put our trust in Him. Because He alone knows if there are possibilities, if there is hope, if there is life. He's the only one that can make it happen. Our responsibility is to preach the truth, to speak the truth, to live the truth, and to pray for God to send His Holy Spirit. And God's response is, I am going to open your graves. I am going to bring you up. I am going to restore you. I am going to put my spirit, my breath in you, and you will live. And then everybody is going to know that it was the Lord that did it. It wasn't our program, it wasn't our hard work, it wasn't our sacrifices, it wasn't our charisma, but it was the Lord. So will we humble ourselves? Will we admit our need? Will we ask God to breathe on us and then give Him all the glory? Let's pray. Lord, as we were looking at this passage and reflecting on it together. Lord, we see that there is just a lot of dryness in our world, a lot of, a lot of death, a lot of no hope, no possibilities. Lord, we ask that you would come in, that you would bring your truth and that you would breathe your breath into our lives, into our churches, into our businesses, into our schools, into our communities. And that we, would, that we would grow, that we would change, that we would come alive 
and be responsive to your word and your spirit. Lord, may we praise you with our whole heart, mind, soul, and strength because you alone are worthy. Thank you for for leading us and being with us here tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. May the Spirit which was in Jesus Christ be in you, enabling you to know God's will and empowering you to do God's will. Amen. Go in peace.